You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Awesome. Well, hey, welcome this morning. How's everybody doing? Awesome. We got this microphone back when we were doing weddings, so the people who lead weddings here don't have to use the handheld. So we'll see how I do. If I get really excited and I need to like hold something, I might get a microphone. So we'll see how it goes. Um, hey, real quick announcement. Our, our bookkeeper wanted me to let you guys know we have your contribution statements from this past year in the back, and we'd love to give those to you. And um, we're really good at being on budget, so we don't necessarily want to pay for a bunch of stamps. So uh, <laughs> is, you know, send that money elsewhere. Uh, so they're in the back. If you've feeding back at all this year, I want to give you those again for tax purposes. Um, is this feeding back or are we doing okay, Matt? Good. It's doing okay? All right. We'll see how I do. If I get wild, Matt, just give me the like handheld symbol and we'll see how it goes. So, hey, really excited. Um, for those who don't know, if you started fasting on Sunday, yesterday was day 21. Okay, so follow me here. So some people are like, wait, what day are we on? Yesterday's day 21, so today you can buy a donut in the cafe and feel good about yourself and be okay. <laughs> cafe plug. There you go, Nick. Proud of the cafe team. They do a great job. Um, but how, I'm just curious, how many people, and again, this is just to build our faith. Don't feel bad if you're not you know, a hand raiser in these moments. But this is to build our faith and encourage you. How many people in this time... Uh, say, yeah, you know, as I was fasting, I saw some kind of breakthrough or, or closeness or nearness to God during these 21 days. You just raise your hand with me just to build faith. I want to encourage you. Awesome, awesome. How many of you, um, uh, you fasted this time, but fasting was a new thing? Again, you're not boasting, we're just building our faith. Fasting was a new thing, or maybe you haven't fasted for a while. You're kind of building that discipline. So you're like, I haven't fasted for a long time, or it's new, and this was kind of a first time for me. Raise your hand. That's awesome. Can we give it up for those people? I'm excited for you. I've really, I've really enjoyed that. I, I think of all the things as we teach on, on these different uh, spiritual disciplines as a church. I've enjoyed seeing people who have, uh, have never partaken in fasting just, just step into that and see what happens. And I want to encourage you, if you fasted for 21 days... And, and are at day 21 and like, I just don't really, I haven't seen anything. Again, it, it's not a call and response kind of thing. It's a, it's a heart pursuit after God because God desires your heart. You know, for those who did the Daniel fast, I was trying to encourage someone earlier this week and I said, Daniel fasted for 21 days. And a lot of people do the Daniel fast for 21 days. But if you read the scripture, it says on day 24, he got an answer. Right. So I want to encourage you, Daniel fasted and then... He saw a breakthrough. So I want to encourage you, if you fasted, if you felt like the Lord was directing you and moving me into it, and you feel like God really moved me, it wasn't a diet, but you're like, I feel like God was really moving me into a time of fasting. I just want to encourage you that he's going to reward that. And it might not be day 21. It might be day 24. It might be day 224. I don't know what that's like. But can I tell you, you will never regret, and I hope you don't regret, a time of fully just pursuing God. Like that never comes back void. And so I want to encourage you. The reason we're doing, the reason we teach on prayer, the reason we teach on, on uh, fasting, the reason we're stepping into this new series is because, man, God just desires so much. And my wife said, um, my wife said this morning, she was praying as we were driving in the car. She said, God, I pray that you would move all of our hearts and the hearts of your church out of, um, what was it? Help me bystanders of religion to actively engaged in relationship. Amen? 
And that's our prayer. God, would you move us out of being bystanders of just religion and religious ideas and religious entities and move us into really just pursuing fully relationship. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe you didn't fast and you're like, oh, I didn't fast and the past three weeks have been kind of weird for me. I just want to encourage you. These are things we're teaching and then God directs and God challenges and God encourages. And this is about you and God. This is about your heart and God's heart. And I never want someone to come in and feel condemned, but I'm totally okay with you coming in and feeling challenged, right? Turn to your neighbor, because I think we need to build our faith a little bit here this morning. And I want you to say, feel challenged, not condemned. Turn to your other neighbor who wasn't quite sure, and they feel bad because they didn't fast it, and now they were having donuts the whole time, and they invited you over, and you didn't have Daniel fast food or whatever. And just turn to them and say, feel challenged, not condemned. Good. You should never feel condemned. If you're feeling condemned, that's the lies of the enemy that are coming in and trying to tell you that, that you're not worth it, that you got to earn it, that you got to no do all these things, and that's just now not how Jesus functions. It's There's no condemnation to, to be Christ challenged. Jesus. I respond so well I'm going to preface this whole and, and so series. I, I like, I like that you, it works for me. But sometimes no we can hear challenge and feel condemned, but condemnation, that's a lie of the enemy that tells you you're not good enough. Can I tell you, Jesus already died for you. None of these three things we're talking about are going to make him die more for you. He's already done it. He's already won. He's already given you the love. And he's given you these tools to engage in relationship with him. Are you with me? Good. Well, we finished fasting. And I got to tell you a really great testimony uh, about, about this time of fasting. Uh, last week I shared during prayer that uh, on the way to speak at a young adults camp, I had taken my car in because it was acting funny. And I got a call from the car company saying, um, yes, it is acting funny because your oil pump has gone bad. It's about $2,000 to fix. And, you, and your warranty is expired. It expired two months ago. I said, of course, of course it has because that's the way life works, right? <laughs> uh, it's like it never is like, and your warranty expires tomorrow. Good, you know. And so um, I, I know I, we joke about the private plane, but if you know me and you spent any time with me, you know that... Um, I don't do this to, like, make a lot of money. In fact, I joke with other pastors that, like, people think pastors are just, like, stockpiling wealth, and yet most pastors I know are bivocational, have been driving the same old broken car for a long time, where, like, your car's not in the shop because you're driving a brand new car, right? <laughs> um, and so I was just praying, like, God, I don't have $2,000. I don't even have $1,000. And what's interesting is, is the same, same week, someone had given us some money for, for our ministry, for the church, and um, it was in the safe, and I was like, okay, I got to bring this money in to the church. And so I brought it that Sunday, knowing that I, I had to, to pay $2,000, and I brought what someone blessed us with, $1,000, and I gave it away. So now I'm, now I'm 1000 down. Now, to be fair, it's for the church, so it was going to go here, and of course, I would never keep that because I have integrity. Giving it to him. <laughs> Right, uh, but someone uh, from from up north from Seattle had given it to us, so we brought it in. And so my brand, I give away a thousand dollars, and I shared this. And so I get home from church, and I hear the doorbell ring as I'm putting my daughter down for a nap, and someone opens the door and hands me a thousand dollars, hands me the same amount that I had just given away. Um, so they, they give me this money, and then the next day the car company calls me, and says, hey. The dealership decided, decided to cover it because God, right? <laughs> your car's ready. You can come pick it up today. And I was like, I've been praying for the wrong things. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. 
Because I was like praying like, God, what could you cover? Thank you for covering half. And God was like, no, 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 I'm going to do like the whole thing. And now this is, this is something that was really cool and, and, and it's a small thing, but I feel like I've been seeing these kind of testimonies all the time and now I've got to find the person and give them back their money and um, give them back the $1,000. Say, thank you, go bless somebody else with it. Praise the Lord. Um, but I want to, I just want to say, man, it's cool what, what God can do in unexpected times, in, in unexpected situations. Because if I'm going to be honest, I was like, God, I give it to you. But in my brain, I'm still thinking like, well, I could do this and trade this. And what if I did it myself? I'm still working through the scenario. And God's like, no, no, no. You've been fasting. You've been praying. You've been seeking me. And you tell people that I'm good and I'm faithful. Like, let me, let me, let me, let me be a part of this, right? I want to be a part. And so I, I think there's testimony after testimony, and I want to encourage you. I even heard a testimony about even just coming in on one night and experiencing the joy of the Lord. That's a great testimony, just experiencing the presence of God, the joy of the Lord. And I want to encourage you, if you have a testimony, come tonight and share that. Maybe you don't have a testimony. Come and be encouraged by testimony. It should encourage us. Don't feel like, ah, oh, man, I don't have different. Be encouraged because we serve the same God, so he's not, he's not God to John and, and different for you right? He's the same God. And so I want you to be encouraged. Come tonight. But we're starting a new series this morning, and it's called The Blessed Life. Someone say blessed life. Blessed life. Bless life. I, I like... I like this. It's based off a great teaching um, from Robert Morris. Have you heard of him? Um, it really inspired me. It, has, it really inspired me thinking about it. And this is something we've been praying about as a church, talking about these, these spiritual disciplines as a church, because I just believe that God wants to bless this church. I believe that God wants to bless you. And what's interesting is just like fasting is all about the heart, giving is all about the heart too. And giving is all, is all about the heart. Tithing is all about the heart. And, and it's interesting that Jesus talked, one of his most talked about topics in all of scripture was money. And why was that? Because even as I say that, you and your heart just went, oh no. Right? It is the most debated, most argued, most struggled with topic because it comes down to trust. And trust is birthed in the heart. And God desires our heart. And Jesus talked so much about it because we struggle so much with it. But can I tell you, God does want to bless you. And, and I think sometimes we're really hesitant if we've suffered in life to say, like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I get that's like a foofy idea for other people. But no, let me tell you, if you're in this place, God desires to bless you with a depth and intimacy of relationship with him. To bless you with more of him to bless you with himself and to bless you with that relationship. And just like fasting, this is, not, this is not a condition of salvation, right? It's not like tithe or go to hell. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's important in bringing our hearts into alignment with God because this is for you to not feel condemned but to feel empowered. Because if you can get a hold of these things, I believe it's going to change your life. I have talked to people even just on fasting. My dear, who were so confused and so unsure and so debating fasting who were like, I don't know, I think that's a dumb idea and all these things who just come on a Sunday and hear the things I say and are like, I don't know. But God convicted their heart and encouraged and empowered them and they stepped into that and they saw God move in their life. And, and I believe that in the things and I believe that because I believe what Jesus says in his word. And so I'm going to just encourage you that as we're in this series, give grace for hearing the whole truth. Just give me grace. If you're concerned as I'm talking about tithing that somehow I'm stockpiling wealth, you can come meet with me. I'll walk you through the budget. 
If you're concerned somehow that I get paid too much money and I'm taking it through, you can just come on over and we can talk about it. But I want to ask that you would give me the grace of reading what God has put in this word. I've never wrote a word in here. I've just highlighted. And I'm going to share this morning because I believe if you get a hold of it, it's going to change your life. Amen. All right, let's pray this morning. God, I thank you so much that your word is truth. God, and sometimes it speaks in and it convicts and sometimes it encourages and sometimes it strengthens and sometimes it shakes us a little bit. But God, I thank you that it's always true and it's always good and it never returns void. And so God, I pray this morning, just like my wife was praying in the car for soft hearts. God, that we've been praying and fasting for this church, that you would soften our hearts, that we might have an intimacy and a depth of relationship with you that the church has never seen before. God, we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I, uh, I want to talk about tests this morning. It's interesting. When I, was, um, when I first started in ministry, I, I've been now uh, a pastor for 10 years. It's just kind of crazy. Um, so I've been a pastor for 10 years. And it's interesting. When I started ministry, I was serving full time. And I think they thought, we need to pay him or else he's going to leave. And none of us even know how to like, turn the lights on. <laughs> so we should probably pay him. Uh, which, again, uh, requirement to be on this team. Uh, <laughs> so you got to learn something that we got to pay you. Anyways. Uh, and so I was, I was going to the University of Washington. I, I had one year left. I was going full-time uh, for a degree in philosophy and minoring in music. And, and, I, and I was working full-time at the church. And then to actually pay the bills, I was tiling uh, kitchens and bathrooms full-time. And I don't mean millennial full-time. I mean full-time. I mean 40 hours a week plus another 40 hours a week job. 30 hours a week is now full-time, y'all. Listen, it's not. <laughs> No, I'm just joking. If you work 30 hours a week, I love you. God bless you. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> You're like, I'm out of here, this guy. <laughs> but so I was, I was going to school, and then I decided, well, then we decided, let's get married. And so I got married with one year left and was working two full-time jobs um, and, uh, and then going to school. And so what I did, and do not do this, is I had a class that went Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, but I didn't go the Friday because I had to work to pay, uh, to pay for life <laughs> and, and all this other stuff because you have to pay bills. And so I didn't go Friday. What, and then one Friday I went, and as I sat down on Friday, no one had their book out. And I thought, Friday's a weird day. And they said, yeah, Friday's quiz day. I was like, quiz day? Like, yeah, Friday's when we take the test for what we've been learning during the week. And I thought, I should have skipped Monday. <laughs> That Monday was skippable. Monday was just phoned in. I knew that. There's 250 people in this class. The guy's not even trying. This is a TA. But I realized, and they're like, yeah, it's test day. Are you ready for the test? And in my brain, I thought, what test? So I had missed, to that point, eight tests. <laughs> oh, yes. But I'm, you know, I'll tell you the story of how I got out of this and made it all work later. Um, and I'll, if I can really help you kind of break the rules in college. Um, no, but I thought, I was like, wait, what, what test? And I think sometimes in our life, we don't realize that we're taking a test when we are. That it's a, we've kind of missed the test. And so I want to encourage you as I share this. And you go, wait, what test? That it's okay. Because God's gracious even when professors are not. Is that God's gracious and it's good. And I want to encourage you because, and I've heard it said, it this, said this way. 
is every time you get paid, you take a test. And here's the test. Who are you going to thank for what you've received? Right? The test is who are you going to thank for your income? Now, some people think Nordstrom's. They, that is the first person they thank. Uh, they, some people thank uh, the water company, which is important. Some people think the credit card company. It's also important if you have credit card debt. But I'm just going to encourage you that Nordstrom's cannot bless your life. Now they can give you, they can get some clothes. But paying off a credit card cannot bless your finances. It cannot bless your life. It cannot unlock blessing for your life. And when you take a test, or when you get paid, you take a test, is who are you going to thank for your income? Are you still with me this morning? And what's important is that God has given us a principle. He's given us a principle that he promises a reward and a fulfillment that he will bless. God has given us a principle for blessing, but there's a test. Some of you might have heard that before. There's a test. And I'm not talking about a temptation, and I'll explain it in a second. Those are different things. There's a test. And I want you to open your word. If you brought your Bible, open it up. If not, it's going to be on the screen to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So if you know where Matthew is, or that blank page that says New Testament, open to there, and then go back a page, and you'll be there. Malachi 3, I want to read this for you, 6 through 7. We're just going to start in 3. We're going to go all the way basically to 12. So if you're a highlighter or a note taker, just, just already start underlining because it's a lot. And Malachi, remember, 2, 7 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Okay, remember that because I think that's important. For I, the Lord, do not change. Everyone with me? For I, the Lord, do not change change. Good? Okay. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. See, that should give us hope. <laughs> He's saying, I don't change, so the promise I made to you is still good, even though y'all been messing up. I'm not going to destroy you, right? I don't change. That's good. That, that should make us feel good. That shouldn't be like, oh my gosh. Like it's, wait, it's still scary God from the Old Testament? No, it's, he's the same God, and he's still good, and he's still faithful. So, Rather, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. And he says this. This one gets a little serious, but we'll lighten it up. Don't worry. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes. This word statutes means principles for living. Okay. And have not kept them. It says, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? So he says, you've turned aside since the days of your father. So since I brought you out, since you've been my people, since all these things, you literally have always been turned aside from my principles for living. Let's keep going. Verse 8. They say, how, will, how shall we return? And here it is. And, and I want to preface this with, I am just reading this to you. If you want to fact check me, open it up and read it. I did not write any of this. <laughs> I am not adding or detracting. Everyone good? Raise your hand if you believe me. I'm not adding to the Bible. Good, awesome, thank you. But verse 8 says, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? Good question. In your tithes and contributions. Again, raise your hand if you think I wrote this. No, thank you, good, that was a test. <laughs> 
He says, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. My house meaning the Lord's house. The modern day version of that would be... The church, good, everyone's with me. And thereby put me to test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will need. Open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer, a great song title, for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you Blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Says the Lord. Notice how he says that a lot. And I appreciate that as somebody who has to preach this. Because it is literally my duty to preach the fullness of the gospel to you. Right? Because why would you go to a church that only preached part of the truth? You got to preach the whole thing. I, and I do that for you to equip you and empower you because I love you and believe in you, which is why I, we do this together as a church. But I love that it says, says the Lord of hosts. Remember, this is God talking, and we saw at the beginning, it's God who does not change. And God says, you have set aside my statutes or my principles for living. Tithing, what he says, is a statute of God. And it's a statute, it's a principle for the people of God, at that time the children of God, to thank God for their income. And, and he says, and this is really strong, he says, because you have gone away from my principles for living, because you have turned your back on my statutes, you are under a curse, you're cursed with a curse. Like, cursed with a curse? Like, when did this become Harry Potter? Like, when do we, like, does anyone, when you think curse, you instantly think some, like, witch doctor or, like, some witch, and they're, like, mixing up potion with, like, a bit of your hair? Okay. I'm the only one. No, it's cool. That's fine. No, it's cool. I don't feel alone up here at all. I'll cry about that later. It's cool. Don't worry. He says, you are under a curse. And we don't like that word. We might say, uh, you know, we sang a song earlier that he's broken the curse. We say, I'm not, I thought Jesus broke the curse of the law, broke the curse in our lives on the cross. And, and I say, yes, he did. He broke the curse of the law through salvation on the cross. But this isn't about the curse of death through sin. This is about consequences. So I don't want you to think of curse as, as somebody cursing you or a curse word. I want you to think of it as it was intended, which is consequences. See, a curse in this uh, form means consequences. And, and I think that people have always hated this idea that our consequences are intimately linked to our choices. I went to um, a, a talk at ASU last year with Ravi Zacharias, and he shared that no generation has ever struggled as much before in, in understanding that consequences and choices are linked. And that we now want to choose our choice, we want to pick our choice, but we don't want to pick the consequence. And we're like surprised about the consequence. Like for all of time, we've understood that if I make this choice, the consequence is not a sentient being. It's just what happens, right? When you do something, something happens. It's, it's just the way of nature. It's the way of the world. And, and so what he's talking about is this idea of consequences. And it raises this question, and we begin to ask this generation, and if you ever watched or talked to people and thought, like, do you honestly think the decisions you're making don't have any consequences? 
or don't have any impact in your life, that's what my toddler thinks. Like my child thinks that the decisions she makes have no consequence on the rest of her life. It's like she would eat a bucket of candy and then be so astonished that her stomach hurt. She's like, I don't understand. <laughs> why would candy do this, right? We begin to like give things power. Like why would it do this, right? She doesn't understand these things. I think we understand these principles in some respects, but I think it's important. Again, let me put it this way. I really like, this is my, my guitar Austin's playing here. And if someone broke in and stole all of this stuff, um, well, I'd send Jacob after him wherever he went. Because <laughs> I know he'd find him. Um, but they bro- wouldn't there be a consequence if they stole all this stuff? Like in life, I mean, we're going so basic. Like in life, if they broke in and stole all of this stuff, would there be a consequence? Okay, what happens if we steal from God? See, God owns it all. I I believe that. But he has given you stewardship just like he's given us stewardship. He's given all of us stewardship. But what he asks of us is to give the set apart, which I'll explain in a second, portion of 10% to him. That's why God says in verse 8, that were robbing him. See, they were supposed to bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Again, I'm teaching you the principles that Jesus references that God is giving us to unlock blessing in our life. And and what he's saying is they were supposed to bring it all in, but they kept it for themselves. And he says, because you have kept a portion of what was mine, what was set apart, you're now living in the consequence or the curse of that action. Still with me. And he's saying, you rejected my principles. You rejected my principles, my statutes for living. And because you've rejected them, you're under a curse. You're under these consequences. Can I tell you the reason that we teach this, the reason that I teach this is because I want you to live blessed and not under consequences. In fact, I desire for you, can I tell you that when I share this with other pastors, that this is what we're teaching on, we're teaching on these spiritual disciplines, they're like, oh, really? It's like, yes, of course. Because that's literally why I'm here. That's the reason I moved 1,600 miles. That's the reason I took my family from the people they knew and they loved us. Because I believe in revival for Scottsdale. But I believe that before we can see revival in our city, we got to get us in alignment with God. And I just refuse to preach anything but the full truth. Because I want you to have the full blessing of Jesus Christ in your life. But when we keep the tithe for ourselves, we're saying, you maybe didn't know this, so I'm going to tell you. Here's what we're saying. I'm rejecting that blessing, and I choose to live under these consequences. It's interesting. People argue all the time about this. If you haven't been around church, just wait, because as you start to give, they'll, they'll argue with you. And don't feel like you've got to pick up that thing and bear it. Just let them do their thing, because God convicts and moves in his own time. And so, you know, we encourage that. But the, the biggest argument is that tithing is an Old Testament principle. And I always think that's interesting. People, people say, oh, I can't give because it's an Old Testament principle. And I think about that, like, what, what, what is it saying about what you believe in your heart and your attitude is when you come with the attitude, uh, usually what it's not is, is someone has such a deep grasp of the Old Testament. Usually what it means is they have such a weak grasp of the heart of Christ. It's like, oh, it's just an Old Testament principle, so I don't, I don't have to do it. it. It has to do with your heart. And I'm going to say it over and over and over and over and over and over again. 
that it is about your heart. If you come to me and say, I feel condemned, I'm still going to tell you the same thing. It's about your heart. I don't want to condemn you. I don't want to put you down. I want to compel and encourage and empower you. Okay. Everyone with me. So later, when you're upset that we talked about, we talked about giving and you brought a friend, tell that friend, we want to empower you and encourage you. This is a church that loves you and cares for you and wants to bring you into blessing. Amen? Okay, good. No one's condemned. If you feel condemned, come talk to me after. We'll pray for you and we'll love on you. But it's about the heart. Very first thing, tithing is a test of your heart. Man, when someone comes and they argue about tithing to me, there is always something behind it, and usually it is not a deep grasp of Old Testament theology. Usually that is not the profound motivator. It's rarely an issue of the Old Testament. It's always an issue of the heart. And, and, we, and we wonder, and I ask these things about prayer or tithing or fasting. It's like God gave you 100% of his son. 100% freedom, 100% eternity, 100% salvation. But what he's then given us principles to then be blessed beyond that and to be encouraged beyond that and to be strengthened beyond that to live more. Even if I met with him and only asked for 10%, he could have asked for 100. Because even if we gave 100%, I don't think, I mean, we couldn't even touch it. But I love that about God because I think by asking 10%, he reminds us that we cannot gain his love by works. Amen. We cannot gain his love by works. And so he asked then for 10% because tithing is a test of our heart. People ask, why 10%? The word tithe comes from the Hebrew word ma'aser, which means 10. And I like percentage because it's fair for everyone. There's no adjustable rate based off wealth for, you know, it's not like, oh, the rich, they tithe 15%, Right? And the lower, they, they tithe 2%. That's not how it works. In fact, usually it ends up working the other way. But I think it's interesting that it's, it, there's this fair. It's just 10%. 10% of what you're bringing in, you bring before the Lord. And it's interesting to me all throughout Scripture, and I've heard this shared, and it blew up my mind, so I just started researching and opening the Bible and pulling all this out. Is like the, there are so many times the number 10 is linked to tests. There were 10 plagues. There were 10 commandments. God tested Israel in the wilderness 10 times, Numbers 14. Jacob's wages were changed 10 times. It was a test. Daniel was tested. Anyone want to guess how many days? 10, for 10 days. In Matthew 25, the virgins that were tested in in, in this moment, in this parable that Jesus is talking about, there were 10. In Revelation, there are 10 days of testing. And again, I go back to testing is not tempting. God's not bringing sin into your life to see how you'll do. I'm talking about testing, testing of the heart. Because tithing is a special kind of test. And that it's a two-way test. It's the only time in Scripture that you'll see that you can test God. Malachi 3.10, he says, put me to the test. And I love the word here because the root of this word is, the, is here. The root identity of testing metals to see if they're pure. And so what's God saying here? When God says in Malachi 3.10, test me and see that I will not open up the storehouse, what he's saying is test me and see that I am pure. Follow me, test me and see that I am pure. See, God wants to, in 310, it says, open the storehouse of heaven for us. He says, test me and see how I will provide for you. See how I will rebuke the devourer for you. I love that. I think that's awesome. Rebuke the devourer and bless you. 
But at the end of the day, he leaves it up to us because love coerced is counterfeit. And he says, it's up to you whether you in faith uh, will have faith and believe that 90% with God's blessing is better than 100% without of it. Think about your own life. Think about, have you lived 50% of your life without Christ and then encountered him? Was the 50% without him better than the whatever's left? 50%? No. So why would it be true for your life but not true of your money and your heart? Your heart is crucial for your life. And it's a step of faith to say, God, I trust you, and I test to see that you're pure, and God is always faithful. And I think it's interesting that the, the, the people respond and say, no, it's, it's the Old Testament. No, that's under the law. Like, there's just people that just want to rip the whole front of the Bible out, just never even reference it. Like, it's not powerful and full of life, and there's not a scarlet thread that connects all of it. And it's beautifully showing how much God loves us and has pursued us and his people from the beginning of time. Because I want to tell you, tithing has been in the word of God before the law, after the law, and in the New Testament. It's all in there. It's full of explaining this principle. And yet we get this idea, and, and, and I have these conversations, people say, oh yeah, but that's under the law, and I'm under grace. That's under the law, and I'm under grace. And I think, yes, you have received, amen, water bottle, I have rece- you have received grace as a gift, right? Ephesians 3, again, I'm going to go back to, you cannot earn this love. It's given to you. You have received grace as a gift, amen. But that doesn't mean that there's principles that were true under the law and true in the Old Testament and true throughout Scripture that now just don't apply because you're under grace. Right? In fact, Jesus teaches us at the Sermon on the Mount that grace and the Spirit goes beyond the law through him. Or think about this. Okay, you're under grace. Okay. You shall not murder. That's under the law. So if I walk up. I'm not going to pick anybody. Sorry, Austin. And, and I, I kill Austin. There we go. He was looking at me like he wanted to be involved. So, And you're like, whoa. And, you know, Jacob is like, hey, man, I'm a cop. I'm going to stop you. I'd be like, sorry, man, I'm under grace, not the law. <laughs> right? I mean, you'd be like, no, that's literally the dumbest thing. <laughs> but that's how we can apply. It's like, no. <laughs> but not only that, Jesus said in Matthew that it goes beyond. He said, don't even be angry. Don't even cry out angry. Don't even curse your brother. Goes a step farther. How about you shall not commit adultery? It's like, well, I'm under grace, so I can sleep with whoever I want because I'm under grace, not under the law. Jesus is like, no, that, that's just, again, being a bystander of religion, not pressing into the depth of relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying, like, wait, wait, don't even, don't just be, like, about the law that's saying just don't commit adultery. Like, don't even look at other women and lust after them because your heart should be, for Jesus, your heart should be pure, right? We're almost there. I think, I think we're almost there. How about you shall not steal? Right? Whose guitar is this? Is this Nick's guitar? Okay, Nick, this is my guitar now. Because we're under grace. Where's Nick at? Sorry, man. I'm under grace. That's my guitar now. You good? Oh, no, man. You can't judge me. Don't judge me. I'm under grace. Don't try to put your law on me, Nick, you Pharisee. (laughs) I'm under grace now. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Nick's like, I'm about to come up there. Well, you're going to come up in the law and the spirit, and I'm just going to rebuke you. Same under grace. So... No, again, I, I'm joking because I'm trying to add brev, you know, brevity and lightness to this because it is that that's totally. Uh, so I just want to encourage you that, again, we would apply that principle and think that that's totally ridiculous. 
Because just because it was under the law doesn't mean it's now void under grace. Right? I'm not talking about like temple practices. I'm talking about spiritual principles for living. Like I'm thankful that you shall not murder is a thing. Right? I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful that that's an understood spiritual practice. But just because you're under grace, which is true, is that, oh, it's good, we're fine. I just want to build anticipation. Just because we're under grace doesn't mean that it rejects the law. There's still things true under the law and in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and in the Word that are still true now. And we're thankful for those things. The second thing this morning is tithing is biblical. See, I want to tell you, you are not a bad person if you don't tithe. In fact, if you don't tithe, don't think this means you can't come to Banner Church. I don't want to say I don't care, but that's not up to me. It's about you and the Lord. It's about you and God. And I, want, I do not want you to be coerced. I want you to respond to love, not think you're doing this to receive love. And so I don't want you to feel coerced. And I also don't want you to feel like you're a bad person or you're living an outward rebellion against the Lord or something like that. Don't, don't, don't think that. I, I, I don't speak that on you. And no one else does. And if so, we'll talk to them. But it is in the Bible. Okay, it is in the word of God, and, 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 and I believe this is important. It's not just in the law. It's before the law and after the law, okay? It's before the law, and it's after the law. And I'm going to jump to a bunch of scriptures, and if you want to follow me, you can. If you're a good uh, Bible flipper, you can follow me. I used Post-it notes so I could really get there quick, so if you don't have the Post-its, you might be behind. But it's this, Genesis 14, 18 through 20. Now, this is 500 years before the law. 500 years. Genesis 4 through 20 says, And Melchizedek, that'd be a great name, Melchizedek Cooper, that'd be perfect. King of Salem, (laughs) Salem means peace, brought out bread and wine. It says, He was a priest of God most high, and he blessed him, him being Abram, and said, Be blessed, Abram, who will become Abraham, by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. It says, and then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now, Melchizedek is a really interesting figure that I'm going to reference real quick in Hebrews when we get there. It is that he is either considered a type of Christ or literally Christ in this moment. This was Jesus who was encountering them. And that's some deep stuff. We can talk about that. That's a blast for me. But the league is in Hebrews. But Abram, our spiritual father, Gives him 10%. Okay, let's keep going. So that was 500 years. Let's, let's go 400 years now. Let's go Genesis 28, 20 through 22. It says, Jacob. It says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And the stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So 400 years before the law, here's the principle. Bringing a 10% into God's house. What was God's house? What was God's house? The church. Good. Awesome. We're all together. Let's jump again. Leviticus 27.30. It says this. Every tithe of the land whether of the seed or of the land or of the fruit of trees is the Lord. It is holy for the Lord. Some of you might know this, but the word holy means set apart. 
you're taking notes, write that down. The word holy, it means set apart. It means God has set it apart. That's why he can say so confidently in Malachi that we're stealing it if we keep it because God has set it apart. And if you set something apart, that means it's yours. So he's saying, I've set it apart. All right, let's keep going. Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 2. I've taken says, when you come into the land that your Lord God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from your land, that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. Now let's skip down to verse 13. It says, then... You shall say before the Lord, I have removed the sacred portion out of my house, and moreover, I have given it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your your commandment that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten of the tithe while I was mourning, or removed any of it while I was unclean, or offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you've commanded to me. Now look at the prayer. It says, look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the ground that you have given us as you swore to our fathers the land flowing with milk and honey. So God's telling me, take the set-apart portion. And when you take the set-apart portion, then you can pray, God bless us. Right? When you take that out, the set-apart portion, and, and you take it out, you don't offer it to other things, you don't give it to other things, you don't give it to Nordstrom's, you don't give it, like, and you take it and you give it to them. When you give it, bring it into the storehouse, then you pray, God bless your servant. I think it's interesting. Um, how many here when we talked about tithing in Matthew 6, when Jesus says, when you tithe? Real quick, raise your hand. Where are you here when we talked about it? Okay, good. Five of you. Awesome. Um, <laughs> But we talked about Jesus says when you tithe or when you give. So you're saying, okay, well, he's talking about when you give. What if Jesus said you ought to tithe? Like if I told you, and you're saying, I want to follow Christ. I want to follow what he says. I want to walk in obedience to him. And I said, great, Jesus said you ought to tithe. If I could show you that, you'd be like, yes, I agree. We should tithe, right? People are still like, no, which is why we don't have revival. <laughs> But if I showed you, I think it would be important. So I'm going to show you a scripture, and you got to go with me here, as he says, 23, it's a good number, because Jesus says something really special, as he says, you ought to, which is interesting. So let's read it together. Everyone still with me? Good, 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 good. Again, what part of the Bible are we in now? We're in the, oh, we're in the New Testament. Okay, right on. Good. Amen. Oh, we're under grace. Good. This is good. He says, here's what's happening. This is Jesus talking. Some of you guys might have it in a red. That means it's extra super serious because he said it. Uh, Roll with me. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Comes out of the gate strong. He says, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. He says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the other. Okay, that's interesting. So he says, you ought to have done without neglecting the other things. Okay, what should you have ought to have done? Yeah, the tithe. Okay, people say, well, no, no, it's not the tithe. He's saying you ought to have done justice and mercy and faithfulness. He's not talking about tithe. He's talking about social justice. He's talking about faithfulness. Okay, great. I will definitely give you that. He's saying you ought to have done this without neglecting what then? Oh, man, everyone's like, oh, man, if I say it, I got to do it. All right. 
<laughs> he's saying, you ought to have done this without neglecting this. So no matter how you flip it, Jesus is saying, you ought to do these things, right? He's saying, I gave you these principles for living, and you shouldn't do one and neglect the other, nor should you do the other and neglect the one, right? You ought to value justice and mercy and faithfulness, but you also should not neglect tithes and offerings, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying this, and I'm going to keep coming back to this. Jesus Christ is saying this. Jesus who walked on this earth. Jesus who bore the stripes on his back. Jesus who went to the cross for our sin and shame. Jesus who was buried, who rose again, who has given victory in your life. He, I, I might not have authority in your life, and that's okay. You don't need it. But Jesus ought to compel you to respond to the immense weight of the gift and love of God to say, okay, if he's saying, I I ought to do this and not neglect this, I might want to perk up and pay notice. Amen? All right. You're like, well, we're not deep enough into the New Testament. Let's go super deep. Let's go Hebrews. I don't know if you knew this, but the Bible keeps track of what it says, and then it says it again later. It's called prophecy, <laughs> and it fulfills it. But Hebrews uh, 1, or Hebrews 7, 1 through 8 says, for Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the son of God, he continues a priest forever. This is part of a portion where he's trying to explain that Jesus is the high priest of the new covenant. And he says, see how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils, and those descendants of Levi who receive the priestly offering have a commandment in the law to take the tithes of the people, that is, from their brothers, though these are also descendants from Abraham. But this man who does not have his descendant from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, and the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. Who is it testified that he lives? It's Jesus. So it's saying as mortal men can collect the tithes, mortal men like today uh, you know, will receive the tithes and steward the tithes, but Jesus Christ receives your tithe. You're not tithing to Banner Church, you're tithing to Jesus Christ because it's a principle that Jesus Christ, that God has implemented. And that's the principle. And so though it might be stewarded on earth, it's received by God. Okay, third thing, tithing is a blessing. Th this, is, this is really powerful. This is my, my last thing. Ten more minutes. Got at least an hour to go. Oh, sorry. Everyone's like, uh, no, don't worry. We're almost done. Second Chronicles 31, you can turn there in your Bible. But King Hezekiah, and when, I, when I'm reading this, it's just, it's so powerful to me. Is King Hezekiah is the king of Judah. He's reading scripture one day, and he realizes something is going wrong. And they are in an economic recession. They're broke, for those of you. They're broke. They have no money. They have no resources. They're agricultural society. They don't have any agricultural resources. And so he realizes we're not tithing. And so something is going wrong. We're not following the principles of God. And so 2 Chronicles 31.4, here's what he says. He says, and he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and Levites that they might give themselves to the law of the Lord. Okay, so they're bringing in to the temple food. Give a portion due to them. 
They're bringing in food. At the time, agricultural society. So you might see ties of, of all kinds of things. But they're bringing in a portion of the food. But, but th- this really hit me when I, when I was thinking about this and reading about this. Is Okay, they're, they're bringing food in so that people might eat and might be full. They're, they're bringing it into the house of the Lord. And that's natural food. But when we think of terms of God's house today, think spiritual food. When you go to church, do you enjoy the spiritual food that you receive? Right? You enjoy the spiritual food that you receive, amen? Well, someone's paying for it. Less amens. (laughs) All the people who tithe secretly in their heart went, amen. (laughs) Because they're tired of carrying the weight. See, when you come in and you receive and you eat, somebody is paying for the building. When we do baptisms and we fill that tank from water, we don't get that like manna from heaven. We get that from the water heater and then we pay for it. Right? Someone's paying for the staff. Someone's paying for counseling. Carson and I have talked about that before. That a lot of people see the church as like free counseling. Someone's paying for that. For time, someone's paying for outreach. We support over 22 missionaries. Someone is paying for that. Someone's paying for all of these things. Someone's paying when we reach out to the special needs. Someone's paying for that. Let me ask another question. I was asked this question, and it really hit me, and it changed how I saw tithing. Would you go into a restaurant? How many of you, you would say, raise, no, don't raise your hand, would go into a restaurant, eat a full meal, and leave without paying? All the people working in a restaurant are like, heck no. Did you know some Christians do that every week? You come into the house, you eat a full meal, and you leave. Again, feel challenged, not condemned. Again, we're still good. Because here's the sad news. It's not hurting me, it's hurting you. It's not hurting me, it's, it's hurting you. See, people say, oh, preachers are all about the money. Man, I don't know who you're talking to, but the preachers I know have sold out, have sold out time, have given, given money, who drive beater cars and work two jobs because 1.7% of the church gives. They're not about the money. You could maybe pick one in a million and that's great. Congrats to you. I'm glad that you're hurt by, I don't know, pick a pastor. That's fine. But I'm not preaching this because I want your money. The church doesn't need your money because the people who are bought into this, who, who are following the principles of God are generous people. And God has blessed them generously. And so the church is doing good. And as our bookkeeper would attest, we're very good stewards of this money. And we're, we're really solid on making sure it goes to the right places. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But I'm preaching this because even though spiritual disciplines and even though tithing and all these things are not possible, popular, I want to see blessing and breakthrough in your life. I want to see these things because tithing is a blessing. And if the church just comes in and eats and eats and eats but never pays the check, eventually it goes out of business because we need a church. We say we pray for revival, but we certainly don't give to it. Did you know 1%, 1.8% of Christian world give their tithe, spiritual principle? Did you know in America 1.7% give? That means that countries poorer than our country give more than America. And so we cry out and we post on Facebook, revival. And God's like, I don't know. Where your money is, your heart will be. But I'm preaching this because of you. Because I'm going to tell you, if you can get a hold of this in your life, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your family. It's going to change your children. It's going to change generations. It's going to change your marriage. If you can get a hold of this, it's going to change something in your life because it's going to bless you. And God has promised it. 
And so Hezekiah realizes as a leader, we're not doing this. We're not following this. We're not following this precept. And so he tells them to bring it all into the storehouses. And they bring it into the third month, and they finish in the seventh month. And it says in verse 8, when King Hezekiah and the princes came, they saw the heaps They blessed the Lord, and Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites about the heaps. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, are are you sure the people are okay? Because they're super poor, but there's heaps in the house of the Lord. Are the people okay? And the priest says, since they began to bring the contributions into the house of the Lord, we have eaten and have had enough and plenty, for the Lord has blessed his people this large amount. Hear this. As since they began, God began to bless. Here is a principle for your life. When you come into alignment with Christ, since you begin, God begins to bless. Into full alignment. So since they begin to bring 10%, not 1%, 10%, when they begin to bring it in, God instantly began to bless. And where there once was recession, now there's heaps. I'm believing for some of you in that in your life. It's interesting. Every pastor I've ever talked to, there's, we all share the same thing. There's two testimonies about tithing. Tithers say, I, I've been blessed. We're so blessed. Since we've been giving, we, we've been blessed. Since we've been giving 10%, since we've been tithing, we're blessed. Here's the other testimony. Non-tithers always say we can't afford to tithe. You're saying everyone that comes and meets with me thinks they're the first person to ever have this conversation with me. And yet you will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Follow me. I know that's scary. So I do not say that quickly. I say that lovingly. Is that you will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because Tithing is what breaks the cycle and rebukes the devourer. See, this is the cycle. You start working up enough. You start building up enough. You start getting to the place where you have enough, and then you'll finally give God something, and something happens. And that's what happened to Israel. They'd start building up enough, and then the devourer would come. Locusts would come. Armies would come. Things would come. And they begin to devour the crop, and they say, well, I just don't have anything to bring to the Lord. And God says, if you would bring it in then you would have enough. So I can rebuke the devourer for you. Some of you need God in your life to rebuke the devourer. And so the question is, are you willing to take a step of faith? Because tithing breaks the cycle. It breaks the cycle. It breaks the cycle. So my last example that I'm done, I, I love this example. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take three people. Will three of you guys stand up with me? This is Gianna, Austin, and Delaney. Okay, stand up. Just stay right there. Here's an example, and this really helped me capture this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Okay, this is my wife, Katie. She's the most beautiful woman on earth. Deal. That's the last thing, and then we'll be done. Then after this, you guys can just come up and worship. Good? All right. And I tell these three people, okay, I'm going to trust you. I trust you. So here's what I'm going to do. i got to go away for a while. So every month, I'm going to give you $10,000, $10,000, $10,000. Good deal. But I want you guys to support my wife, my bride, who I love, who's beautiful, who I'd give anything for. I want you to support her. So every month, I'm going to give you 10000 and you 10000 you 10000 But every month, I need you to take 1000 and give it to her. 1000 give it to her. 1000 give it to her. Give her. Just give her 10%. You can keep 9000 right? You can keep it. 9000 9000 You can keep that. I'll give it every month. You just got to give it to her. That's a good deal. Everyone say, like, yes, I would love to take that deal. Where's this money coming from? Missions. No, I'm joking. <laughs> and I say, but here's what happens. So then I, I, I call my wife, and, and I say, hey, how are things going? And she says, you know, it's going okay. And I said, how's the money been coming in? And she says, well, Gianna, every month, sends me $1,000. It's like, 
clockwork every month. First thing, first day of the month, 1000 bucks. I say, that's awesome. And she says, Austin, every month, sends me $1,500. I'm like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> but all right, rock and roll. At least you got, you got the 1000 Like, I'm, we'll, we'll see. We'll talk about that when I get back. Um, but good on him. And then we get to Delaney. And she says, well, Delaney, <laughs> Delaney, she gave 700 I said, 700 She said, yeah, then she gave 400 And then the third month, she didn't give anything. And I said, huh. Because I gave Delaney the $10,000. Delaney's very trustworthy. She didn't never do this. So I gave Delaney the $10,000. So you all with me? I gave her the $10,000. And she's not sending? And you say, no, she's not sending. What do you think is going to happen when I come back and talk to Delaney? Do you think I'm going to keep sending her money? Or I'm going to take that? And you're like, no, no, Jesus doesn't take anything. Great. Go read Matthew 25 and about the parable of talents and you can come back and talk to me. Because we're reading from a different Bible, apparently. <laughs> You guys can sit down. But I think I'm going to say something to Delaney when I come back because she didn't, vow, she didn't love him. Now she's leaving. I'm so sorry. She's going to go altar call in the back. No, that's fine. No, we get it. Because <laughs> she didn't love on my bride. I mean, I gave her the 100%. You can, Ben, you can come up. And I just asked for her to give 10%. Let me ask you this, and th- this is the question that hit me. Is the church the bride of Christ? Come on, is the church the bride of Christ? In Scripture, does Jesus, does Scripture say the church is the bride of Christ? Then I, I think maybe Jesus might care and take a little more seriously his bride than we think. I think he might take it a little more seriously than us. can be challenged. I think he might take it kind of seriously. But he said... I, I've given you, this is my bride, this is my wife. I've given you to take care of this. I've commissioned you to love on my bride. And I've given you the 100%, but I'm asking you to set aside the 10%. And here's how consequences work, is that Jesus wants to bless you, but why would he bless you if you don't even care for his bride? Guys, you're supposed to see revival with 1.7% of the church caring for the bride of Christ? I just don't see it. I'm not a mathematician, but that doesn't work for me. Because he cares for his bride. He cares for his bride. See, this is why you see revival in China. And we struggle to see it in America sometimes. I think it's a heart issue. It's not about cash. It's not about what you bring in. It's not about your money. It's about your heart. Jesus says, is your heart for me is a heart for your church because I, I take my bride seriously I've died for my bride I've, I've defeated death hell and the grave for the church for you you are the church and I love you and I've given my life for you and so I don't give you these principles to make you feel guilty to make you leave banner church and feel terrible because you didn't tithe and now you're under a curse and you got to rush home and get online and give so that no I didn't give you that I gave it because I care so deeply for you I don't want breakthrough in your life. I don't want you to be under the reign of oppression and depression. I want breakthrough in your life. And I'm just asking, would you come into alignment, test and see, just try me and see that I will not open up the storehouse for you. It's a test. Does our heart seek first the kingdom and his righteousness or other things? Can I tell you, I want us to pass this test, church. I want us to pass the test. Here's the thing this morning as we close. Again, the Bible says there's no condemnation in Jesus. So I want you to be feel challenged 
and empowered to walk in the blessing, not condemned. Condemnation comes from the lies of the enemy that tells you're not good enough, you've not done enough to receive the love of Jesus, and we know that's not true because I've said it 8,000 walk in the morning. But be challenged because you're hearing the truth, and when you walk in truth, it unlocks blessing for your life. See, those of you who tithe, you're already celebrating because you know this is true. I'm not saying you've never, you haven't had struggles in your life or facing in your life. Some of the most faithful givers I know have faced some really tough things, but they know who God is because they walk in alignment with Him. And so you're celebrating because you know. And, and it's tough when I, when I, when I give and I think about, man, I, I want to save this for, to fix my car and to do these things and all these things, I get in this wrong cycle. But, but when I walk in alignment with Christ, he says, I, I know and it's up to me to bless you. It's up to me to walk with you. It's why Jesus taught about it. And yet it caused so many to stumble because they couldn't give him their heart. They'd give him their time. They'd give him their service. They'd give him the dutiful nature of their work. But he doesn't want that. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. He desires the fullness of your heart. And so he's given you these principles and these things and these statues to have a full life with him because he wants breakthrough in your family and he wants breakthrough in your home and he wants breakthrough in, in your life and in your children. He wants them to be changed and transformed and renewed. And so he loves you where you're at. He accepts you as you come in the doors where you're at. He rejoices that you're here this morning. He praises when you give him your life, when you give it to you. And he doesn't try, try, to, try to just clean the outside of the cup. He cleans the whole thing. And he says, you know what, listen, I just don't want to leave you in half full. I want to bring you into fullness. And so I've given you this principle that says, do you trust me? Test your heart and see, God, God, I trust you. And I give this to you. And can I tell you, he is always faithful. He is always faithful. He is always faithful. But you'll never be able to tithe until you start. Would you stand with me this morning? I know we went a little long, so I appreciate the grace that you're giving me in sharing this. Pray for you. But here's what I want to do. I just want to pray for you, and I want to give you a moment as the band worships together to just allow the Lord to speak into your heart and allow the Lord. Maybe you're in this place and you're thinking, nope, I'm never going to tithe. This is just another pastor talking about money. All right, well, I'm not going to change your mind. <laughs> but maybe you're thinking this morning, man, I, I feel that stirring in my heart. I want to pray for you that that would stir as a response to love, not as a religious requirement. And I want to pray for you that God would really, really stir that up. You might say, when should I start? And I'll say, when is a good time to stop robbing God? I don't know. Today. <laughs> Whatever you want. We're not going to pass the bucket again. We're not going to do any of that. That's up, that's up to you. But I want to encourage you, man, if you do this, the faithfulness of God, you'll see it in your life. I want to pray for you. If that's you and you're saying, I'm not even going to make you raise your hand. Just bow your head and close your eyes with me saying, Lord, I can feel you moving on my heart. God, I want to walk in alignment with you. God, just like a fasting, I didn't even know about this, or I didn't even know what was going on. And Jesus is saying, you're not condemned. I rebuke any lies of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus Christ that's speaking that you're not good enough, or that you failed, or that you're rebellious, or that you're a bad person. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You are loved and blessed and cared for. You are a precious son and daughter of Christ. But I want to tell you right now, that if you're saying, God, I want to walk into in alignment with you, then just take this moment and in your heart and say, Jesus, help me, give me strength, build my faith to walk in alignment. Some of you right now are thinking of your bank account saying, I just don't see how there's any way 
Jesus knows that pain, he knows that fear, he knows that concern, and he does not blame you, and he is not mad at you, he loves you. And so all you gotta do today is just pray, God, build my faith, give me faith and strength to walk in the precepts. I'm gonna pray for you this morning. And if that's you, just begin to speak to him, begin to invite him and pray, Jesus, I thank you this morning. I thank you that we get to walk with you. God, I thank you that you've already freely given your love. I thank you that you've already freely given your heart to us. I thank you that we walk with you day and night. There's no, in God, that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ, and we all rejoice in that, that there is no condemnation, and we say thank you, Jesus. And I pray for every person, God, that as they begin to recalibrate their heart, and they begin to walk with you, God, that you would just bless them like they've never seen, that you would open up the storehouse, that they would receive a deeper revelation of your love. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Be blessed. Amen.